Welcome back to Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This is your host, Brooks Meadows. I'd like to start the show today by reminding you to check out barbellbuddha.com right now. Stop what you're doing right now. Before you start this show, go to barbellbuddha.com and pick up your copy of The Collected Writings of Chris Moore. If you would like to support his legacy, that is how you do it. Share the gift of Chris. If you'd like to keep following us on social media, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and type in at Barbell Buddha Rediscovered to stay up to date with me and all of the happenings that I'm doing in relationship to my push to get Chris's word out there for everyone. You can also follow me at Brooks Meadows, that's B-R-O-O-K-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S at Instagram or at Coach Brooks Meadows on Facebook. If you are interested in learning more about Recess, my gym, you can go to recess901.com right now and learn all about it. You can get a free kettlebell PDF. You can take a three-day mini course. And we also are just launching our online programming, which we are delivering via the True Coach app. Now, I am not in any way associated or affiliated or sponsored by True Coach, but I will say this. I will say that as a coach, delivering information, delivering videos, and being able to communicate with people remotely can be a challenge. The True Coach app knocks all of that out. You can get on with us. You can follow our programming. Right now, you can choose to follow the Obstacle Course Racing Program or the Functional Bodybuilding Program, and you can get badass programming and videos delivered straight to your phone. That's right. So you can continue to be or choose to be with us for the first time via the True Coach app. You can also go to iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud to maybe leave a kind comment if you're enjoying the show. Rate us five stars. That is how you can help us get found and continue our mission to honor our buddy, Chris Moore. Now, it is time for episode 24. 24 uh, of 101. So we are chipping away. We're almost all the way through the first 25%. And this episode is called Fat Boy Yoga Party. Enjoy it. That's Torch Band. <clears throat> Thanks, guys, for playing me in. Hey, look, I'm glad to be here with you because I feared it might be the apocalypse. But here we are. Everybody is safe and sound despite the shaking of Miley Cyrus's floppy chicken ass last night on the BMAs. <laughs> That's the only comment I'm making about it. The world still turns. Somebody had to hum- humiliate themselves to make a buck. That's their karma. They chose it. They're getting what they want. Best to them. I ain't watching that shit. <laughs> Welcome. I've, I've got a show to do, and I think it's going to be interesting. It's about how we've talked about a little bit before. Everything. Everything we do here, the training, the lifting, the working, the creating, the loving, the sharing, 
All that stuff, all the good stuff of life, it's all connected together. Things that make sense in one area sure do seem to make sense in others. The, the connectedness means that they all respond to the same sorts of good ideas, simple ideas, the same sorts of authentic motives, the same sorts of goal-setting strategies that just make sense and work. It, it is all connected, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yes, we shall, buddy. Yes, we shall. And thank you so much for that funny little nugget right there at the beginning. I I could not get a get through this show without sharing that. If you have any sort of remembrance of cult, American cultural history over the last 10 years, you knew exactly what he was talking about when he said Miley Sh- Silas shaking her uh, floppy chicken ass, I believe was the word. I fucking died laughing this morning. When I sat down to listen to this episode, it was the first thing. I put my earplugs in. I had my coffee ready. And it was like, it was a legit spit take. I had just taken the sip. He said it. I spewed everywhere. And uh, it was so funny that I, I had to include it. And I'm sure you heard me heard me laughing in the background. Um, yeah, we have, man, we have some really fun stuff to get into today. And It just so happens that a lot of the things that Chris talks about in episode 24, um, he goes on a fantastic rant about the similarities between MMA and CrossFit, particularly the origins of both of them. He also shares a really wonderful story about his first yoga class experience uh, and how it really busted up some of the biases that he had about it. And all of those things are great. They're fantastic. As always, I'm going to encourage you to go to Barbell Buddha, um, his episode and listen to it. It's about, I think like right at 39 minutes. Okay. But I happen to, you know, have a lot of personal experience with the things that he talks about in this episode. And so I'm going to take some time to express from my first person perspective because I couldn't agree with his viewpoint more. And so I'm going to do my best to share my experience on all of these things. And I think I know, I know that you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Okay. So just stay with me. Now, the first thing that he wants to go on to talk about, the thing that he does talk about, he starts telling the uh, origin stories of mixed martial arts. Okay, I got exposed to MMA proper uh, like 2009. I moved to Korea for the first time, and I was looking for ways to continue my martial arts training, which is in a more traditional form called Kempo, and it had a you know a set uh, a set amount of techniques and moves that, that put it into its own discipline. Um, and so that was my that was my introduction to martial arts, really. And then I got into the MMA thing. So I got into it. 2009 isn't super early, and uh, it certainly isn't um, you know, near the origins of all of this. It was greatly inspired by the origins of MMA. And I, I followed MMA from the very beginning. Even though I didn't participate strongly in it until 2009, I had been following it since the mid-90s, okay? So I loved mixed martial arts. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. You know, when when mixed martial arts started, the, the before there was a true, uh, uh, in the United States, that is, a true version of... A, a, some sort of combative competition where people from all different disciplines came together. A lot of this came to a head in the 90s when the Gracies of the Gracie family, the family uh, that basically invented Brazilian style jiu-jitsu, the Gracie family was on a quest to spread jiu-jitsu throughout the United States. And so what they did was they would just walk into dojos and just challenge the head instructor of any dojo. They'd wipe the floor with them. They'd steal all their uh, 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 
steal all of their their clients and they would basically be like we, we we're now going to follow this guy and it was because before this had really before MMA had been introduced, you know, nobody had seen something the likes of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? They were walking into Kung Fu facilities and karate facilities, uh, maybe even some boxing facilities. And they're saying, hey, look, we're going to say that there are only a certain amount of rules, but we just want to have a quick challenge. If you beat us, we'll walk out humbly. And if you don't, well, then you understand that you have a new master now. And like the Gracies were fucking shit up left and right. And so they decided to put together a competition that was in intentionally uh, uh, set up to be kind of like a marketing pitch for their martial art, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, particularly Gracie-style Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the origins of MMA were all coming from like this segmented discipline uh, uh, field, right? There were all these different disciplines that, that were pitted against each other, and all of them were arguing about which discipline was the best. And as Chris pointed out, which one being the best was actually a false question, okay? And what happened is, is like, even though in the beginning things were super raw, if you watch those early UFC competitions, I mean, it was, it was insane. You would see people that were sumo wrestlers going against, you know, a small 160, 70 pound Brazilian man in a gi. You would see people that were street fighters. You would see people that were more traditional, like savat or karate people trying to throw and kick and punch. And everybody was sticking to their one discipline and pitting against the other. Well, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu turned out to be, if you're trying to put one against the other in that format, Brazilian jiu-jitsu was the clear winner. But the next step in the part that nobody really saw coming is that from that point, there became a rapid evolution of the sport of mixed martial arts. Because what people saw was that you didn't, yes, you should aspire for mastery in one area, but it was clear that you had to start learning bits and pieces of other styles to put them together in uh, your own mix of what works for you. And in just 10 years, people like, if you've been an old head, you'll know, like people like Fedor Emelianenko start to show up. People like Anderson Silva start to show up. People like Matt Hughes start to show up. They, they start to change the, uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, how can I forget about him? Memphis, Tennessee, baby, like the Rampage Jackson. People like this start emerging from this early like cauldron of, of, you know, mixed styles that people weren't sure what was going to come of it. And then just like a short 10 years later, there are athletes that are so skilled and so advanced. And now that's 20 and almost 30 years into the future that this is coming to fruition. They're only getting better and better. And the evolution is going faster and faster. And now we're seeing athletes in the MMA or uh, uh, arena that we couldn't fathom of before this first UFC tournament. Okay, so these MMA, this origin history, it was so raw. The evolution was rapid. That sounds exactly like the origins of CrossFit. Think about it. The fitness industry back in the 90s, late 90s, was, was super segmented, right? And it still is in many ways. But we had, 
you know, people like bodybuilders. We had the endurance community, which, you know, you had just running, you had ultras, you had triathlons, you had biathlons, you had people that would do extreme endurance events, you know, like mountaineering and things like that. Then you had, of course, weightlifters, the sport of weightlifting. They compete in the Olympics. You had that camp. Then you had the strongmen camp, right? The the lift heavy stones, carry heavy shit a far distance camp. You had the powerlifting camp. You had the gymnastics camp. And you had all of these different segmented uh, uh, disciplines that were all pitting each other against one another, right? They're all like, as Chris put it, looking to their left and saying, you're a freak. Uh, and, and then, of course, they're arguing about which discipline was the best. You had many, this all this goes all the way into the academic world where you had professors like really pushing in their discipline to be seen as the best way of training. And as the early origins of CrossFit showed us, right, that whole question was a false question. It wasn't about whether or not you had the best training methodology, right? It was how quickly can you evolve into a new type of athlete that is able to express in all of these different zones. And so if you look at the early like 2008, 2009, 2010 versions of the CrossFit Games, you would see a lot of really, let's just call it what it is, shitty weightlifting technique, you'd see a lot of shitty breathing, and you just see a, a bunch of freaking grinders just trying to like get after this sport as hard as they could and just learn as they were going. And in less than 10 years, you've seen people like Rich Froning come out of this, where even though it was raw in the beginning, and even though we believed in many ways that you couldn't get good at this many disciplines at the same time, right? That was just, it did not, it wasn't perceived to be possible. And then in less than 10 years, we produced people like Rich Froning who could have just as easily qualified at least at a high level, a national level as a weightlifter. He could have been considered maybe not the top, top flight of weightlifting, but he would have been in an upper echelon in a different sport, a sport that he was not training for full time. He also could you know, even though he wasn't the number one, not even close to the number one, like endurance athlete, every year his endurance stuff got better. He got, he goes and hires uh, a, an endurance coach and he starts to add to his toolkit and he evolves as an athlete and he goes on to rattle off, I believe it was four straight CrossFit Games championships and, uh, you know, a couple of more team championships to boot. We've, it's produced people like Tia Claire Toomey who, is I believe on the national team for her Olympic weightlifting group and, and is a multi-time CrossFit Games champion. And so, um, you know, the, the similarities between MMA and CrossFit, the rapid evolution from the raw, humble beginnings, everybody thought that both of them were dangerous. They wanted to get them eliminated. And yet, over time, these sports have evolved so quickly faster than any sport that I can really imagine right now, fast, like really, really fast in the skill and the capacities of its athletes. Now, a couple of disclaimers here. Like I don't really participate in CrossFit anymore. And that has to do very much so with, I decided that I didn't want to do much performance training anymore because you know, as Chris learned in his life and knew very well, and as other athletes are finding out in the CrossFit world, especially coaches, the the 
performance and health are not actually the same thing. They trend along the same lines upward for a period of time, and then there's an inflection point where the only way to add performance uh, given a time constraint is to sacrifice your health. If you don't have time constraints, that, that, that can become arguable, but athletes are under a time crunch, right? They only have a certain many peak years that they believe that they can compete, and so they're always pushing the limits of what's possible, and when you push the limits of performance, you break. That's just part of the deal. Not everybody, and the ones that don't, those are freaks, and good for them, right? But I, as a personal choice, uh, saw my health starting to decline. It was taking away from my work. It was taking away from my relationship. It was taking away from my happiness, and uh, I just didn't see a whole lot of value in getting an extra five to ten pounds on my squat or on my snatch or on my clean and jerk. Now, uh, uh, I also, like you know, had some pretty decent numbers. Like I was a regional level athlete, and uh, you know, had snatched 100, 100 plus kilos. Like you know, clean and jerk two seventy five. I ran a twenty one minute 5k right like so I've, I've, I've dipped my toe in the sport long enough to know what it had to offer me and here's what I'll say uh, I, I trained with an actual games athlete and I trained with him for almost an entire year and it didn't matter if it was a strength endurance skill like he had me beat on everything okay and he also you know took care of his body three four hours a day it seemed like just maintenance he had to eat meals timed every certain amount of distance apart he had to really really manage himself as a truly professional athlete and that really wasn't my aspiration in crossfit so that's why i've shifted away from the crossfit uh culture it's not that i don't like crossfit or don't even think that it's an effective system as much but it is a performance-based message methodology at least you know Greg Glassman's trying to change that but if you look at the average CrossFit gym here it's still about performance time reps and even though you do see there's a, some push on quality of movement that is usually uh, not as embedded into the culture as it possibly could be now uh, and I'm, I also want to say the same thing about MMA, right? I just received my purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and I'm fucking fired up about that. Uh, it took me way, way, way too long, but I have been getting back on the mat. So I do have uh, a history in jiu-jitsu. I have a history in striking martial arts. I have a history with MMA. I did compete as an amateur. I never competed as a pro. And I, you know, I, I dipped my toe in long enough to realize that I didn't like getting kicked and punched in the head as often. I was losing my brain cells. But, y'all, I've actually been in the shit for both of these sports, okay? And I love both of these sports, okay? I love this idea of like finding our edge in these two MMA and CrossFit stories. And the reason I love them is because they were paradigm shifts in the way that we think about fitness, the way that we think about martial arts. And there is a huge, huge thing to take away from the origin stories of CrossFit and MMA, okay? There is a huge thing to take away, and it is, it is this. Every discipline is simply a toolkit. Every discipline that you can possibly sample is just a tool. And there is no best tool. Saying you have the best tool is like saying you have the best hammer. And that's great. You're like, I have the best hammer. Amazing. But if I have to screw in a screw, a hammer might be able to get that done, but it doesn't make it the best tool for the job. And so the reason that that is important is because if, if, if disciplines are just tools, 
then we can, and there is no best tool, there's only tools that are more or less appropriate for the job at hand, then we as individuals get to build our own toolkit. And that is fucking exciting. There is, we, we can strip all of this other bullshit off of, off of all of these disciplines and all of this dogma, and we can just simply build our own toolkit. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about training, it doesn't matter if you're talking about relationships or about getting better at your profession or about being a better father or a mother or a family member. It doesn't matter what it is. There are tools available to us and we as individuals have the ability to build our own toolkit. And that is so empowering and so uplifting, okay? And the perfect example there was somebody in the martial arts community, and you might know where I'm going with this, that actually had this concept nailed in the 50s. Any, any person who is born before 2000, and even still, most likely that young boy or girl will know this person. Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee, the greatest or at least the most prolific martial artist of the 20th century, created an entire philosophy that he named Jeet Kune Do, but didn't, didn't hold like a hard dogma around the name even, okay? It was a philosophy about how to train martial arts and how to think and be as a human being. And he said, in order to fully express oneself, one must have no limitations. Now I'm going to say that again. In order to fully express oneself, one must have no limitation. Now what did Bruce, Bruce mean by that? Did he mean that we shouldn't have any sort of physical limitations? I don't believe so. And he, 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 he recognized that every individual is made up of different stuff. And everybody has a... A, a limit on what's possible. Nobody's going to be able to jump over a three-story building, right? There are certain limits that are built into the fabric of our universe, but, right, it doesn't mean that we can't have no limitations on the way that we believe what's possible for us, right? It's We don't have to limit what's possible with us by looking at some method or discipline or tool through our built-in biases, Right? And Chris tells an amazing story about his biases to yoga and why he avoided it for as long as he did. Okay, But it's in that, that, that class that he takes where he sees a lot of the biases that he had about yoga stripped away, where he has this discovery where he is able to link the origins of MMA and the origins of CrossFit and his experience with yoga of being about losing your biases about what's possible, seeing disciplines and methods as tools that we could adopt and to, by shedding those biases and seeing everything as, as tools, then we have removed and untethered so many limitations for what's possible for ourselves. Because as soon as we stop judging the tool and stop projecting what we believe onto this inanimate object or this inanimate uh, exercise or this inanimate fitness class, the more that we start to remove our own perspective, especially if we are pre-judging or prejudiced against this thing, then we will be able to open up all of these different opportunities to find things that work for us. And I found that so amazing. And I hope you did as well. 
I think I have possibly ranted on this about as far as I'm prepared to do that today. So, like many other weeks prior to this, I'm going to let our buddy Chris close the show. He's going to give you the recap of his episode and the point that he was making and the point that I was making in this episode. And so, once again, thank you so much for continuing to follow this story. Thank you so much for continuing to engage with me on Insta and social and all these other things. You can always reach out to me at brooks at recess901.com or you can find me on social media. Any of those things would be great. All right. So like only he can, Chris is going to close the show and I am getting out of the way. Peace out. Uh, I think the, the broader lesson we can close on is, is a simple one. If you're prepared in your life, no matter what the topic, if you're prepared to disregard something, to, to turn to your left essentially and call somebody a freak to their face because you just don't understand, you haven't been where they're they're coming from. You don't see how it can fit into what you're all about. If that's the way you feel, then I'd say you're probably more than likely, probably, you're probably this way. You're probably unnecessarily closing yourself off to something that could be really beautiful and valuable to you. It can make you better at what you want to get good at. At the very least, understanding the thing instead of labeling the thing and judging the thing can make you a better person across the board. I mean, that's just being more open is a good thing. If you try to argue me with, with me on that, you might as well argue with me that the, it's not a good thing if the sun comes up tomorrow, that gravity's not real. I mean, it's just true. Accepting people and understanding where they're coming from makes you understand your thing better, makes you empathize with others. It's a good thing. Yeah, these things are beautiful and valuable. And I think if you're willing to give something like this a try, just remember that in the end, after your yoga class is done, after all things are complete, um, the barber will still be there waiting on you. And it will accept you kindly. It will forgive you. Well, it won't even forgive you because there's nothing to forgive. You'll be better off because of it. You'll lift that bar better. That's what, I, that's what I'm coming to believe. So with that, I will wrap up my story, folks. Uh, I bet you didn't know that MMA and CrossFit and yoga were so much alike, but I think, I think they are. The elements of, of, of mixing things together, that strategy, that, that emerging truth we're seeing, the future kind of unfolding before us, what it means to be a really awesome, deadly fighter in a new environment where, you know, in the past, you could never mix all these things together in an effective way, but that's happened now. We've seen the future in that sport. I believe we're seeing the future arriving in, in CrossFit. Not necessarily what CrossFit is now, and not necessarily just CrossFit, but that the general strategy of mixing things together in that way and refining it. Within a couple of years, you're going to see really freaky athletes. And I think if those other groups, those other factions in the fitness community don't change, they might find themselves posing in speedos on an ever-shrinking stage, basically. I think the writing's on the wall. Um, the, the, the factions that may be labeling people freaks may be freaks themselves because of it. Uh, people, everybody needs to grow and change as this experience grows. They may not be around. I that could happen. Or they'll be pushed into smaller niche areas, let's put that that way. And finally, you know, when you ever find yourself, yeah, man, if you ever find yourself in a position to start casting names to your left and to disregard something, really second guess that. You could be, you might be making a really silly, unnecessary mistake. At the very, in the very least, uh, trying new things. It could be fucking Tai Chi, you know, whatever. If you have the opportunity, take it. What's, what's the best thing that can happen that can make you a better person? What's the worst thing that can happen? 
Odds are it won't take away anything from what you're trying to do, really. I mean, for me to do yoga once or twice a week, I can easily adjust that and adapt to that. Aside from a, a few bucks for the classes, which is not really that bad, uh, it's, 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 there's no reason to say no to the opportunity. I will be better and grow because of it. I really believe that. So keep that stuff in mind, yo. Uh, and that's it, man. Well, I already did the plug, so we'll, I'll just say um, until next time. Until next time. Which next time I think I'm actually going to talk about in-draft. Some people have texted me and wrote me and said, hey, man, can you talk about injury, keeping perspective and all that? So I think that's going to be the next post. So I think tomorrow I'm going to write a post on my injury experiences, of which I've had one bad one, and what I think matters when it comes to keeping your head screwed on right and making it out of that and putting it all in perspective. And I'll follow it up with putting it in story form and on this podcast. So keep, keep uh, a lookout for that. I'll probably post... Something on the blog, maybe tomorrow night, the writing goes good, you can never tell, but definitely by, definitely by Wednesday, you'll see some cool new stuff again. I'll, I'll join you again for story time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with that, thank you so much for sticking with me for now 39 minutes on the dot bing. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for listening to my story. I really do appreciate you checking out the show. If you want to, go on iTunes, leave me a nice little review. That'll help draw more people into it. We can keep a, a good conversation going. Um, yeah, and tell your friends about it. I'd appreciate it. Uh, yeah, until Thursday, man. Peace. Sayonara. Namaste. Cheers.